Good evening. Oh, very good. How's everyone tonight? Beautiful Monday night. We even saw the sunshine today. It's on my way leaving uh, Michigan City. We had a nice lunch with the Ramuses today and um, had to leave about 1.15 to get my wife to Grand Rapids so I could get back here in time and uh, had plenty of time and weather was good, traffic was good. And uh, we got about 15 minutes out of Michigan City and the sun began to shine. And I'll be honest with you, I don't necessarily need the sun to shine to, you know, be happy and be, you know, feel like there's sunshine in my soul. But it's just nice to see once in a while and uh, just to be reminded that it's still there. So praise the Lord for that. If you have your Bibles, turn if you went to Hebrews chapter 12 tonight, Hebrews chapter 12. I, uh, I wouldn't expect anyone to believe this here tonight or, or, or to remember this tonight. But uh, I, I was here back in November of 2018, and I preached uh, several messages during the week of Empowered Youth. And if, I, if my memory serves me right, I think it was the Thursday evening, I believe it was the last night, and uh, I, I didn't think that God would uh, allow me to preach that message, but he, he, I preached a message on bitterness. And I entitled the message, Blinded by Bitterness. And uh, I was putting my messages together in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I appreciate Brother Mitchell giving me a heads up, and uh, I think he gave me about two and a half week notice to get ready for the meeting, and, uh, but uh, it wasn't his fault. Brother Ross was scheduled to come, and uh, I still apologize for uh, having to fill in for him, but uh, I trust he'll be able to make it back here and preach for you all soon. But let me do say this before I get in the message. Thanks for coming tonight on a Monday night. I know Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, we're supposed to be in our places, but thanks for being here tonight, just tonight and tomorrow night, and, and the meeting will be through, and uh, I, I trust that uh, God will give you some help between the messages. But I preached a message on, on blinded by bitterness, and I felt like tonight God would have me preach on bitterness again. So because I lack originality, I, I titled my message, Blinded by Bitterness, Part 2. So... The sequel is five, almost five years and a couple months later. So if you found Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read three verses, verses, well, let's read four verses. I'll read verses 14 through 17. The Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Heavenly Father, help us as we look into your word tonight and look into a subject or a topic that uh, in many cases is, is a very crucial and a very fragile subject. I pray that you would give us not only ears to hear, but hearts that would apply what the Holy Spirit would have for us tonight. As the songwriter said, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One come down. God, I pray that you'd meet with us tonight in a special way. May you fill this auditorium with your presence and may we accomplish what would be your will tonight. I pray that you would do a work that only you can do. And when we leave here tonight, may we say it's been good to be in God's house with God's people centered around God's word. May everything be said and done tonight in a way that would bring all the honor and glory to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If I was to define bitterness, I would according to the dictionary, say that it means enmity, grudge, hatred, sorrowful. But if I was to describe it, I would describe it as the result of unforgiveness. If you were to say, Pastor Cole, what, what causes bitterness in the life of a person, or maybe even more specifically in the life of a Christian, and, and I believe it to be a result of unforgiveness. I want to give you just a couple thoughts about forgiveness. We'll call this introduction. I've got three points. We'll jump right into the message quickly, but just a couple thoughts about forgiveness. Can I say this? First of all, we have all been forgiven far more than we'll ever have to forgive. We've all been forgiven far more. I don't know why, but I love church people, but sometimes it can be pickled. Sometimes they can cause turmoil and even hurt and pain. Oh, I know why. That's what the devil wants. The devil doesn't want harmony in this body of believers. He wants disharmony. He doesn't want God's people getting along. So if he can allow something that was said or done, sometimes even years or decades ago, 
Sometimes people hold on to that so tightly and they are convinced in their heart they'll never let that go. I had somebody tell me not long ago, they said, Pastor Carl, I am bitter today and I'll be bitter to the day I die. Yet I'm convinced that we've been forgiven far more than we'll ever be asked to forgive. Number two, forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it frees you from the past. Number three, I'm convinced forgiveness isn't natural. It's supernatural. Maybe your flesh is different than mine. My flesh does not want to forgive. Do I have any witnesses? So, I was reading through 2 Timothy the other day, and, and Timothy or Paul said, you know, you, you got to love the Apostle Paul. He was just blunt when he, when he wrote. And he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. But he didn't stop there. He said, the Lord reward him according to his works. <laughs> he said, that rascal caused me some trouble. I hope God gives him the same. I had a guy in my church several years ago. He was my Alexander the coppersmith. He did me much evil. Oh, my goodness. He did my wife much evil. Eventually, we eventually had to exercise church discipline. We disciplined from the church, and it was, it was ugly. It, it never is pretty when it comes to that. I was talking with our Spanish pastor the other day, and he said, you know, Pastor Crowley said, it's really difficult. He said, when I, we lose people, he said, they not only leave the state, in most cases, they leave the country. I said, I wish I had that problem. <laughs> I said, when my people leave, they don't even leave town. <laughs> I went to Walmart the other day. This is, God is my witness. I went to Walmart the other day. I ran into seven church members. One current one and six former ones. And I'm checking them off the list. I'm talking to everyone that I see. And, you know, and, and, and some of my, I had longer conversations with my former church members and my current church member. And when I go to Walmart, I'm on a mission. I'm there to get one or two items. I'm not there. To, I'm not looking for all the blue light specials. I just want to get in and get out. And uh, I got on my truck and I said, Lord, what was that all about? Man, if they're going to leave the church, that's one thing. But why do I have to run into them every time I go to town? I was in Walmart a couple years ago. And my Alexander the coppersmith was looking at cards in Walmart. But this was beautiful. His back was to me. He didn't see me. So I walked right past him. And I got about 10 feet past him, and you're not going to believe this. I know who it was. The Holy Spirit said to me, go back and speak to that man. And I said, no. And I kept walking. I went another 10 or 15 feet, and the Holy Spirit said, I said, go back and speak to that man. And I said, no. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to tell you one more time, Kevin Lee Crowell. Remember when your mom used to use your middle name? The only time my mom ever used my middle name was when I was in, not trouble, I was in big trouble. You know what I'm saying? Kevin Lee Kroll. And, and, and the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to give you one more chance. Go back and speak to that man. So I turned around. I went back. I tapped him on the shoulder. And he turned around and he said, Pastor Kroll. Pastor Kroll. And he said, Ma. Ma, come, come, come around. And she was on the other side of the, of the card rack. And so she came around the corner. She said, oh, Pastor Kroll, Pastor Kroll. And, and they're both crying. I wasn't. They're both crying. <laughs> I was gritting my teeth, actually. I'm like, God, I don't know what got me into this mess, but just would you please get me out of it? And he's weeping, she's weeping, and people are walking by like, what's going on here? And I'm like, don't, just keep going, don't even ask. We talked for probably five minutes or so. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was, was satisfied. So I said, okay, y'all have a good day. You know, Godspeed, whatever. <laughs> well, we're just gonna, gotta end this conversation so I can get my stuff and leave. And I got maybe a mile or two down their way and it's like the Holy Spirit said, it's about forgiveness. See, if I develop bitterness in my heart towards people that do me wrong, I'm no better than the person that did the wrong. Forgiveness doesn't say that what he did didn't hurt me or my wife or my church, but forgiveness says I'm not going to be the judge in his life. I'm just going to turn it over to God. So fast forward. 
just a few months ago. I get up on a Sunday morning. I'm getting ready to, to preach and had a good crowd, had an exceptionally good crowd on this Sunday morning. And I'm just about ready to preach. And there's a gentleman that's about right here where this gentleman with the, the, the light brown suit was. And he jumped up just before I got to preach. And he said, preacher. And he called the same man by name. He said, preacher, he said, I don't know if you know it, but he said, they've given this man just weeks to live. He's close to death. He said, we need to pray for that man. And we need to pray for him right now. I would say probably two-thirds of my crowd, when they heard the name, felt the same way I did. Their eyes are this big. They're looking at me, look like they're binoculars, you know. What's pastor going to do? I looked at this man and I said, you're absolutely right, sir. We need to stop and pray for him. And I did, stopped and I prayed for him. Service went on, ended the service, had the invitation. I, I was in at the back door on Sunday morning and Sunday night shaking hands on people's way out. And I was in the back shaking hands and I was surprised. Nobody said anything about my message that morning, Brother Mitchell. You know what everybody said? Pastor Kroll, thank you. Thank you for reminding us what forgiveness is about. I had one guy say, you didn't want to pray for him, did you? <laughs> Don't make me answer that. I said, in all honesty, I was okay. I was okay. Makes me wonder sometimes how tough God's job must be. I believe that man to be a saved man. And here I am on one end and he's on the other end and God doesn't love me any more than he loves him. I'm nobody in God's eyes any bigger than that man is. And I was so reminded when, when that person jumped up and said, preacher, we need to pray for this man. And I said, you're exactly right. We do need to pray for him. A family's about to lose a father. Some grandchildren are about to lose a grandfather. Some gentlemen are about to lose a father-in-law. Yes, he did need to be prayed for. You know what I've learned about forgiveness? Forgiveness is not always one and done. I've forgiven situations before, and I was absolutely convinced that, boy, I, I've done my job, I've done my due diligence, and then that name comes back up. That memory comes back up, that thought comes back up, and we're right back to square one again. And the Holy Spirit has reminded me, okay, forgive it again, forgive it again, forgive it again. By the time I get to the end of the message, I, I hope I'll convince you, maybe, maybe not why you're ready to give up bitterness, but why I'm ready to give it up. The consequences of bitterness are horrific. Last but not least, Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, let me read this, two verses for you real quick. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, here's what Jesus said when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. By the way, the greatest message ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. I just love the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I, I like to read commentaries. I was reading a commentary the other day and Commentator said, well, that's not really what that verse means. And I'll be honest with you, I just like looking at commentators to see what God laid on another person's heart because I'm just human. I just want to know what they said and what God laid on their heart. But, but I said to myself, sir, I'm going to take what the Bible says over your explanation of what you think the Bible wants to say. My Bible simply says, if, if I don't forgive others, then God's not going to forgive me. And there's not a day that goes by that on more than one occasion I say, God, I need your forgiveness. And if I need God's forgiveness, then that means I need to offer forgiveness just as readily. I learned this a long time ago that every relationship has the potential for bitterness. Every relationship. I'm going to give you three causes for bitterness. And there's probably 101. I don't know. There might be 1,001. But I'm just going to mention three tonight. I don't want to keep you here all night. And uh, I've been accused of that in the past. Not necessarily here, but at my home church. So I don't want, to, I don't want that habit to, 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 to carry over here and spill over here. Uh, let me give you three causes of bitterness. The first one is this. Warfare. The Bible says, And be not weary in well-doing, 
For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Can I say this, church? I'm convinced the reason that bitterness is so common even in, in churches like Fairhaven Baptist Church, churches like Bethhaven Baptist Church where I pastor, is because the devil wants us to be bitter. He wants us to be bitter. And you know what? We probably wouldn't have to think further back than 12 months to find a situation or an issue that we could allow to be a source of bitterness. Oh, pastor, this situation hurt me. Oh, this, this person hurt me. Oh, this, this event that I went through hurt me. Oh, this hurt me, this hurt me. And, and I'm convinced if, if we're looking for something, the devil will make sure you find it. If, if you're overly sensitive, he'll make sure somebody says the right thing or the wrong thing at the right time just to upset your apple cart. Just don't run across verses like Psalm 119, 165 that says, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You don't talk about practicing what you preach. Man, that's where the rubber hits the road. I mean, according to the Bible, nothing should offend me. Had a brother just before church, and uh, Mrs. Ramus said, I, I think, Pastor Curl, I'm old enough to be your mother. And I said, no, I don't think so. I said, I'm, I'm almost, uh, and I, I was kind of hesitating, and a gentleman said, I think you're 72. And I looked at him, and I said, man, that's a compliment. I mean, I'm only 58, but if, if he thought I looked 72 at 58, that's not bad. Now, now, I don't know that I would say that to my wife. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm not sure how that would go over, and I wouldn't say that to the ladies in our church. It probably wouldn't go over very well either. But uh, I, I was okay with that. And you know how easy it is to get offended over the little things? Can I say this? I've had more than one person come to me and say, Pastor Carl, I didn't know the Christian life would be so hard. We had a couple get saved several years ago, and... They said, Pastor Crow, they said, I know you talk about Christmas and you like the holidays and you like that time of the year. And they said, we are not looking forward to Christmas this year. They said, we have five Christmases to go to. Oh, maybe four and a half. And uh, they said, we got, we got four and a half Christmases to go to this year. And uh, they said, we know it, at every Christmas there's going to be alcohol. And we've told the family, we'll open the presents, we'll stay for the meal. When the alcohol comes out, we're going to leave. Christmas came and Christmas went, and I said to the young man, I said, how did it go? And he said, Pastor Curl, it, it wasn't very good. The very first one, they said, oh, there goes the goody two-shoes. Oh, there goes the holy rollers. What are you all part of a cult now? And they said, no. We just know where the drugs and alcohol led us. And if we can protect our children from that, we want to do everything we can to protect them from that. And they said, Pastor Crawl, they said, we, we thought maybe becoming Christians would make our life a little bit easier. I said, it's been getting a little bit more difficult. You know what the devil wants you to do? He wants you to take that and turn it into to bitterness. We talk about the devil's devices, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. If you take that in its context, it's dealing with forgiveness. I'm convinced the devil would love for us to walk out of these doors tonight with unforgiveness in our hearts because he knows what unforgiveness leads to. If you're supposed to ask her, what, what do you think causes bitterness? I think, I think spiritual warfare causes bitterness. I was a youth pastor for six years before I became a pastor. I'm not trying to minimize anything. But Pastor Mitchell, I, I never experienced spiritual warfare like I have in the last 28 years. When I was a youth pastor, I had a couple issues come up. But boy, since I've been a pastor, it seems like sometimes the devil never leaves my front porch. Unless he jumps in the front seat of my Ford F-150 just says, hey, Kevin, I'm going for a ride with you today. Well, why don't you just leave me alone and I, just for maybe 24 hours? It's like he's just a constant companion. He just never sometimes just leaves me alone. And yet I've reminded myself that if I'm not careful and if I don't offer forgiveness and if I hold on to that unforgiveness and I say, but this person hurt me and this person harmed me and even worse, this person hurt my family. I'm ultimately going to be the one that pays the price for that. Pastor, what causes bitterness? I believe spiritual warfare causes bitterness. 
You know what else I believe causes bitterness? Words. The Lord put it this way in Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Can I say this? That's, that's pretty specific. That with our tongue, we have the ability to give life or we have the ability to produce death. James, in his epistle, put it this way. He said that our tongue is set on fire of hell. In fact, he said that we have tamed every kind of wild beast, but man can't even tame his own tongue. I was driving down 131 not long ago. <clears throat> I don't know what kind of uh, um, station wagon it was, but you remember those station wagons used to have paneling on the side doors? I'm talking the old one. You know what I'm saying? Some, some, some of my generation remembers those. So I, I saw this, this car, and it was just ahead of me in the, in the slow lane, and I was in the, in, the, in the fast lane. I like to stay there as much as I can. And uh, I, I saw him, in, but what I saw, he, he had a, a bench seat. It wasn't bucket seats. It was a bench seat in the front seat. What I saw just mesmerized me. There was an iguana stretched out on top of that bench seat. That iguana looked like it was four feet long. It looked like he was the entire length. And I promise you with his tail, he was longer than the length of that bench seat. When I was almost to the guy's bumper, that iguana turned around and looked at me. And I'm thinking, here's the guy's head right here, and this iguana is looking at me. I'm thinking he could have bitten the guy's ear off, just boom, right there. And I said, no, 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 this can't be. So I said, I got to pass this guy. So I, I, I go to pass this guy. I get even with him. And now the iguana is still looking at me. He just, his head just kind of turns. He just watched him as I passed him. I said, this guy's crazy. I don't know if you, I, I'm not a big fan of reptiles and, you know, snakes and all that kind of stuff. I tell our church people there's five kind of snakes I don't like. Big ones, little ones, live ones, dead ones, and rubber ones. And I since have added one to that because we had a man leave our church one time and then he, he called back to the church and asked if we would pray for him because he had some snakes in his house and he said his snakes were talking to him. Well, that doesn't surprise me because snakes talked in Genesis chapter 3. You know what I'm saying? So if they can talk then, they can probably talk now. And so I added to that talking snakes. I don't like them either. And how is it that, that, that people have enough confidence and trust in a iguana to put them on the bench, the back of the bench seat in their car, and the Bible says we have more ability to control something like that than our little tongue inside of our mouth. I learned a long time ago that words are powerful. Can I say this? Words can be painful. I'm going to read two verses from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Solomon put it this way. Obviously, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, God was writing. He was just the human author. But the Bible says in, in, in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 21, also take no heed unto all words that are spoken. We could preach on that right there. Take no heed unto all words that are spoken. Here's what the Bible says. Lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. The Bible says, make sure that you don't listen to every word that's spoken because if you listen too closely, somebody that you're taking care of, providing for, helping out in life, somebody that you would call your servant, maybe somebody that you have given a lot to has spoken against you. Oh, but the Bible says before you get too far down the road, remember what you've been guilty of. See, words can be powerful, words can be painful. Can I say this? Words can be personal. Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a tailbearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. You know what happens to words many times? They become personal to us. You ever heard some words that just cut you right to the quick, right to the core? If we'd be honest with ourselves, we probably all have. So here's my next question. What do you do next? Do you let those words harbor and fester in your heart? Or do you say, God, help me to forgive this person? My flesh doesn't want to forgive them. My flesh would rather get even. My flesh would rather wait for the right opportunity to 
hurt them the way they've hurt me? Or do we say, Holy Spirit of God, that's not the way I want to live. And that's not how Jesus has instructed me to live. So I want to be able to offer them forgiveness, just like God through Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, has forgiven me. Sometimes I found that it's not just the words that are spoken, but it's the person who spoke them. I was talking to somebody not long ago, and they had left our church, and I don't do this much anymore, but I used to always go back for one last visit. And I've learned sometimes that's not always the best thing to do. Unless Mitchell, if you don't do that, you're fine. Don't, don't, you know, I'm good with that. But I went by this one house, and they'd been in our church for years and years and years. And I said, uh, you know, could, could I ask why you left the church? Oh, I should never ask that question. And man, whoo, man, here it came. Man, it was like Niagara Falls. You know what I'm saying? Here it came. And one of the things they said is they said, you know, and kind of at the top of the list is the fact that your daughter has not been a good friend to our daughter. Oh, wow. I was okay with everything they said about me. I didn't agree with it, but I was okay with it. I know the source. I'm not, I'm as far from perfect as you'll find. But uh, when they said, your daughter hasn't been a good friend to our daughter, I'm like, you might want to check out the other side of that story. I know, I'm probably a little biased, you know, maybe a little, you know, blood is thicker than water kind of thing, but I'm thinking... I know that girl frustrated my daughter to no end, and she said, Dad, I'm determined to be her friend. Not according to her dad. <laughs> That's one of the reasons we're leaving the church. What do you do with those words? They become personal. It's not just against me. It's my family. My daughter wasn't there to defend herself. And I, and I, and I said to myself, I got back in my, my vehicle, and I said, God, what do I do now? God said, I'll give you three options. Forgive, forgive, or forgive. I said, oh, you want me to forgive? That's how God wants us to live. Pastor, anything else cause bitterness? Warfare can cause it. Words can cause it. How about wounds can cause it? You ever been wounded? There's a a phrase out there that says, time heals all wounds. Can I say this? I don't believe that's true. I cut my finger off nine and a half, well, 90 years ago on Christmas Day, 2014. It'd be 10 years of Christmas. And uh, if you looked at that little pinky, it looks completely healed. But I, I hit it the other day on our doorknob I was walking in, I had my hands were full, and I, and I went to open the door. In the very middle of that pinky hit my doorknob. Oh, it felt like I just cut it off five seconds earlier. I mean, that pain shot up through my arm, it went down to my leg, and everything I had in my hands, things that weren't supposed to be dropped, wham, went on the floor. I, I couldn't hold it. I was just like, ah! <laughs> Tammy screamed on the inside, what's going on, what's going on? I said, nothing, I just hit my pinky again. And she said, it's not healed yet? I said, no, apparently not. It wasn't just about two minutes ago. I hear people say, Pastor Cole, you know, time heals all wounds. I've had some wounds and they just about scab over. And something happens and all of a sudden that scab just comes ripping right off again. And the Holy Spirit says, you better forgive. I don't know why it is that we remember the things that we wish we could forget and we forget the things we wish we could remember. I don't know why that is. But I found that sometimes wounds just stick around for a long time. Maybe past wounds. Paul put it this way, brethren, I count on myself to evaporate it, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth on those things which are before. Paul said, I'm not going to let past wounds interfere and affect what God wants to do in my future. Maybe in some, some of your cases, maybe it's people wounds. David put it this way. In Psalm 41.9, he said, Jay, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which should eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. In Psalm chapter 55, in verse number 12, he said this, for it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. 
But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked under the house of God in company. David said, this wasn't from the hand of an enemy. This is somebody that we went to church with. This is somebody that I counseled with and I shared secrets of my heart with and intimate details of my life with. This is somebody that we, we cared and we shared with one another. I've watched people allow past wounds lead to bitterness. I've watched people let people wounds lead to bitterness. I want to say this carefully. I've watched people let parent wounds lead to bitterness. In Ephesians 6, 4, the Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Colossians 3, 21, the Bible says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Several years ago, I had a young man come into my office, and he came to me on a Sunday night and said, Pastor, could we meet in your office after church tonight? And I said, sure. And came into my office, and he said, Pastor Carroll, before we, we get into the conversation, I've got a couple things I need to say. He said, number one, he said, my dad is the best Christian that I know. He said, I don't know of any better Christians than my dad. But he said, Pastor Kroll, he said, my dad never one time ever said, son, I love you. Pastor Kroll, he said, my dad has never said that he was proud of me, pleased with me, thankful for me. He said, he's brought me to church. He's raised me upright. But he said, Pastor Crow, my, my father's never complimented me one time. And he put his hands in his face and began to cry uncontrollably. And I thought this was strange. He's married now. He's starting his own family. And, and, he, and he stopped in the midst of his tears and he said, Pastor Crow, he said, I, I thought the older I got, it would just go away. And he said, now that I'm starting my own family, he said, the pain is worse than it's ever been. I said to him, I said, son, I, I know your dad and I know him well. I said, I promise you, your dad loves you. I said, unfortunately, I think your dad was raised with that same type of father that never complimented his son, just expected a lot, probably never said he loved him. And, and your father became the same kind of father that your grandfather was to your dad. And I said, son, the best advice I can give you is to go home and, and forgive your dad. Learn from what's caused pain in your life and be the best dad to your children that you can be. Tell them that you love them. Tell them that you're pleased with them. If they do a good job, thank them for it. Appreciate what they've done. But I said, don't, don't let that father wound become a source of bitterness in your life. I had another dad come in my office and he couldn't even start talking and he started crying and when he gathered himself together, I said, sir, is everything okay? And he said, Pastor Crowley said, when I was growing up, he said, my dad used to call me names all the time. And he said, Pastor Crowley, it hurts so bad. He said, I remember one time, it's probably just a, 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 maybe a preteen, early teenage years. He said, I said to myself, if I ever become a parent, I'll never treat my children like this. He said, Pastor Crowley, I got upset with my son this week. And he said, what came out of my mouth were the same names that my father called me. And he said, my son's back was to me. And when my son turned around and I look into my son's eyes, he said, Pastor Kroll, I could see that same look in his eye was that same look that I had in my eye when I was his age. And he said, Pastor Kroll, I'm so afraid I'm going to become the same kind of father that I had. He said, I still remember those names to this day. I said, what do I do? He said, first of all, you need to go home and apologize to your son. He said, Pastor Curl, I did. I said, praise the Lord. I said, the second thing you need to do is go home and ask God to help you with your anger so that you don't lose your temper and say something that you are later going to regret. And I said, number three, you need to go home and forgive your dad. Amen. Tell your dad, tell God, you can't change the past, but you're not going to keep carrying it around. You're going to drop the baggage tonight once and for all. And you're going to say what's past is past. 
And rather than get bitter about it, may I learn from it. May it help me to become a better parent than I, I would have maybe been without it. And, and allow God to do what only God can do in this situation. A couple years ago, I got a call from our, our local funeral home. Family came to him, and they didn't have any church background. And they said, Rob, they said, do you have anybody that in town that could give our dad a, a funeral, do a eulogy for him? And he said, sure. He said, let me call a couple pastors. And he called me and said, Pastor Crow, would you be willing to, to, to talk to this family? And I said, I'd be happy to. And he set up a time, and I went at the time that they had a viewing, and I went during the family viewing time, and Rob took the family, pulled them into a side room, and there were probably 10 or 11. I think this man had five or six children, and I told, met with the family and thanked them for having me there, and I, I, I said, I've read the, the obituary notice, and I've read some notes that the funeral director had, but I said, I've, I've got to preach a funeral tomorrow for your dad. I said, is there anything, any stories, any memories that y'all could share with me? thought with 10 or 11 people they're just going to start bubbling over and I'm going to be writing you know like a secretary would be and nobody said a word after I don't know probably maybe 45 60 seconds one of the young ladies at the table stood up and said pastor she said I'm the oldest child here and she said I can't speak for the rest of the family but she said, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing good to say about my dad. And one by one, they went around the table and they all said the same thing. They said, preacher, there's nothing good to say about our dad. And they walked out of the room. And I said, that family's dealing with father wounds. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying we probably don't have to look very far by virtue of warfare, by virtue of words, by virtue of wounds, to say, Pastor Crow, that's where I'm hanging my hat. That's where I'm hanging my bitterness at tonight. That's the cause of bitterness. But if you're still in Hebrews chapter 12, let's look at the consequence quickly. Pastor Crow, why is it so important that I deal with my bitterness? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as he so for one more soul of meat sold his birthright. Can I say this? The first reason bitterness sets in is because we have failed of the grace of God. And I'll get there in just a minute. So let me get to my next thought. And here are the four things that happen as a result of bitterness. Number one, the Bible says this, and rid of bitterness bringing up, trouble you. You know what happens as a result of bitterness? It troubles you. Do you know what's happened in my life when, when I've allowed things to kind of settle in that should never have been settled in? You know what I've had to deal with? Some bitter feelings. Unforgiveness almost always leads to bitterness. And here's the worst part. Usually we, we direct it at a person, but I'm convinced that all bitterness eventually leads back to God. And we may not say that we're bitter at God, but we know that God could have changed that circumstance. God could have healed that person. God could have prevented that accident from happening. God could have saved that, that, that marriage. God could have saved that family relationship. God could have saved that friendship. And if we're not careful, we'll allow our bitterness towards a person to soon be directed to God. But the first thing that's going to happen with bitterness, church, is it's going to trouble us. Then the Bible says this, it's going to defile many. You ever heard that phrase, misery loves? Yes, you have. Can I say this? Bitter people love bitter company. I know of a pastor that uh, he got bitter. And unfortunately, his bitterness didn't just trouble him. It defiled his whole church. And he said to me on one occasion, he said, Pastor Crowley, he said, I never thought this would happen. But he said, my bitterness has affected and infected our entire church. And he said, now I'm not just dealing with my bitterness. I'm dealing with their bitterness. They're not wanting to champion my cause. And because I brought it to the pulpit, he said, I have turned my church into a bitter church. I don't have time to go to Matthew 18 because Jesus said, if we don't forgive others, that he's going to turn us over to tormentors. It's going to trouble us. It's going to defile us. Look at verse number 16. Lest there be any fornicator 
or a profane person. Now this, you might say, Pastor Crowell, I don't know about this. If you look at the end of verse number 15, there's a semicolon there, which means it goes directly into verse 16. I think not only the cause of bitterness is important, but the consequence is important because not only does it start by troubling us and defiling others, but then the Bible says it can lead to fornication. It can lead to immorality. Maybe that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 3.19, husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Met in my office several years ago that was deeply addicted to pornography. And I said, sir, you've not only sinned against God, you've sinned against your wife, you've sinned against your family, you've sinned against people that are close to you. And he looked at me and said, Pastor Crowell, my wife hasn't been the kind of wife she should have been. I have every right to do what I've done. And I said, well, you have not fulfilled Colossians 3.19. I said, because you're blaming your bitterness or your right to be bitter on your wife's behavior and you are doing nothing more than justifying your actions based on her actions and you know what's happened? You've turned into a fornicator. He said, Pastor Carl, that's not very nice. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says. I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says you better be careful because once bitterness steps in, it's going to trouble you. It's going to defile many others. Not only does it lead to fornication, but it leads to becoming a profane person. In this context, you know what that word profane means? It means to treat spiritual things or sacred things as common. When bitterness steps in, here's what happens. We begin to treat this book just like it's any other book. Not like it's God's book. Not like it's a special book, not that it's a sacred book, not that it's the Holy Scriptures. We treat it just like it's any other book. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying when you look at the consequences of bitterness, it's horrible. It's going to trouble you. It's going to defile others. It could lead to fornication. It can lead to becoming a profane person. We say, Pastor, what's the answer then? Thank you for asking. Here it is and we'll be done. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. We, we could give grace many different definitions, and some people would define it as, as um, unmerited favor, and, and we could give it a lot of different definitions. My definition is simply this grace is what God, through the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ, wants to do in us, through us, and for us that we can't do for ourselves. The grace of God is, is, is accessing something that the flesh can't do, but the spirit can do. And can I say this? Wants to do in your life and in my life. The reason that a Christian would be filled with bitterness tonight is simply because of one reason they failed to access the grace of God and to say, God, could you help me do what I don't have the ability to do for myself? Or would you give me the ability to see my bitterness for what it is so I'm willing to come to you and offer forgiveness and allow the troubling to stop and the defiling to stop and the potential fornication to stop and the potential profane person scenario to stop? You know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10? Let me read a couple verses and I'll close. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And its grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, the Bible says, We then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Do you know what Paul said? Paul said, don't allow God's grace to be wasted in your life. God is giving you grace. God is offering you grace. And what God wants to do with that grace is he wants you to get to the point to see holding on to this unforgiveness, holding on to this bitterness is not helping me. It's hurting me. It's hurting those closest to me. It's hurting my family. It's hurting my friends. It's hurting my church. It's hurting those that I love. I've watched bitter parents raise bitter children. I've watched bitter children become bitter teenagers, then to become bitter adults, then to raise bitter children and watch that cycle just continue. Can I say this? That that chain has got to be stopped. Somebody's got to say, by the grace of God, I've got to stop the bitterness because God's given me everything I need. And all that I need is to depend and apply the grace of God in my life. 
In Ephesians chapter 4, here's what, here's what the Bible says. And, and it, it gets more exciting as I wrap up. In Ephesians 4 verse 7, Paul said, but every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Well, you say, Pastor Crow, you have no idea how, how many issues I have and how many potential areas of, of, of unforgiveness and bitterness that I have. Pastor Crow, you have no idea what's been done to me and what's been said to me and how I've been mistreated and misunderstood and misrepresented. Pastor Crow, you just have no idea. I don't, but there's one who does, and his name is Jesus. And you know what he has done? He has given you the exact measure of grace to meet every single need that you have. It's even better than that. Say, Pastor Curl, I think I've, I've exhausted the grace of God. Well, don't want to pop your bubble, but you've misunderstood the grace of God because in John chapter one and verse 16, the Bible says, and of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. Not only does God measure his grace to us, he multiplies his grace to us and gives us grace on top of grace, on top of grace. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. His grace is still amazing. His grace is still wonderful. And church, can I say this? If you're stuck in the throes of unforgiveness and bitterness... Don't let the devil keep you there any longer. Don't let the flesh keep you there any longer. By the grace of God, say, God, I want you to do for me what I can't do for myself. I want you to appropriate that measured grace and that multiplied grace. And God, I want it to be applied to this situation and that situation. Then if there's anywhere in my life where there's unforgiveness, God, would you please appropriate the grace so that I don't fail of the grace of God and become a better person. Two stories and I'm done. Several years ago, I walked out in the lobby after Wednesday night service or Sunday night service, I'm sorry. And a gentleman stopped me and said, Pastor Crow, can I talk with you for a minute? And I said, sure. And he said, Pastor, I just need to tell you one thing. He said, I have been bitter at you for three years. I said, okay. I said, can I ask what you've been bitter about? Oh, no, he said, I can't tell you that. He said, it's so silly. He said, I would be embarrassed to tell you what it is. Well, I said, if you weren't embarrassed to tell me that you were bitter, why don't you tell me why you were bitter? And I tried to beg it out of the guy. And he said, no, Pastor, I just want you to know that I got released from it tonight. Yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> I thought we were good. Now I got to go home tonight thinking this guy's been bittering me for the last years. What's going on? Where have I been? How foolish could I be? Man, we, we went to church together. We sought counsel together. Kind of like David and I. This guy came to me and said, Pastor, I've been bitter for three years, but he wouldn't even tell me why. That's why he'd been 10 years ago. He still hasn't told me why. He doesn't come to my church anymore. And every time I hear his name, somebody mentioned his name the other day. Oh, yeah, this guy's still bitter at me. I, maybe he's not bitter, but he was bitter at me for three years, and I don't even know why. If, if you're bitter at somebody and they don't even know it, your issue's not with them. Your issue's between you and God. Don't create another problem. Don't open another door for potential bitterness. I got a text from a college student a couple years ago. Sunday night. I don't know what it is about Sunday nights. I'll be honest with you. We, maybe we should go back to Saturday. I'm just kidding. We'll go back to the Sabbath day. But anyways, I get a text from this kid on Sunday night. He said, Pastor Carlos, I want you to know, he said, our, our pastor, pastor priest and I and spoke to me, and he says, I want you to know I've been, I've been bitter at you since I was in high school. And I said, okay. It didn't work with my first guy, but I, this guy's a college student. I can get it out of him. So I quit texting back, and I said, hey, I'm sorry to hear that. What was it that you were bitter over? Oh, he said, that's not the issue. Well, it is now. It's my issue now. So just tell me what it is so I can deal with it. At least say, son, I'm sorry I, if I hurt you, if I mistreated you, if I misunderstood you. I, just tell me what it is so at least I can get out of my chest and say, son, please forgive me. And they said, oh, no, I just needed to tell you to get it off of my chest. Don't do that. <laughs> if you've got an issue with somebody and they don't know it, just get on your knees before you and God. I don't know how we want to involve other people if they're not part of the problem. 
Are we okay with that? I just don't want this to get any stickier than it might already be. Maybe I think we just feel better by bringing somebody else in. Don't, don't do that. Now, if there's a situation and the person knows, and maybe you've had words or that relationship hasn't been the same and there's some restoration or reconciliation that needs to take place. That's a different story. I'm not talking about that. But I'm just saying if somebody over here has an issue with somebody over there and this person has no clue, don't clue them in tonight. Just go to God and say, God, I need your grace tonight. I've been troubled about this. Man, if if you're in here with a bitter spirit, you know that it affects your wife. Ladies, if you're in here and you're bitter, you know it affects your husband. I've watched people champion a cause. They didn't even really know what the cause was. They were just so close related to the person that was bitter. They said, well, if she doesn't like him, I don't like him either. My Bible says he that answered the man before here that it's folly and shame unto him. I understand. Those bloodlines are pretty thick. Can we just get honest with God tonight and say, God, may we access your grace to uncover this unforgiveness and this bitterness. And may I walk out of these doors tonight not chained to the past, but freed from the past. May I walk out of these doors tonight knowing that, you know what, those burdens that I've been carrying, this access baggage, there's no reason for that. God's people are the greatest people on the face of this earth. But you'll be surprised who the devil will use to be your source of bitterness. And don't give him that upper hand in your life. God's given you everything that you need. It's called the grace of God. And if you say, Pastor Girl, I don't have the ability to stir this up within me, you don't even have to. You hit your knees and say, God, I am depending on your grace to forgive this person. According to his word, it's already been measured out. And if that's not enough, he'll multiply it until it is enough to meet every need you have. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. God, I pray that you'd help us not to be blinded by our own bitterness tonight. But may we recognize not just the cause of it, but the consequences. And even more importantly, the cure. God, I'm so glad you love us so much that you've offered us forgiveness and offered to us far more than we could ever forgive anyone else. Help us not to hold on to our hurts. Help us not to hold on to the issues and the offenses that have been dealt to us. God, if I started at one end of the auditorium, went to the other, we all have issues and we all have things that have happened and we could say, this is why I'm bitter, Pastor Crow. But there's no scriptural reason that we should be bitter because you've offered us your grace. You've measured it. You've multiplied it. And it's ours for the asking. God, may we access your grace tonight and not fail of the grace of God and walk out of these doors a bitter person holding on to unforgiveness. All it's going to do is keep the troubling. All it's going to do is continue the defiling. It could even lead to fornication. It could even lead to becoming a profane person. And I don't think there's one person in here that wants to be that kind of a person. Help us to see that tonight. And may we do business with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all stand, please?